We're in a series called Potholes of Life. And uh, today is episode four of the series, Potholes of Life. And, and if you haven't heard it before, uh, I, I, let me let you know what I am talking about when I mean a pothole of life. So we know what potholes are. We hit them on the road all the time, right? And in and, 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 and the pothole of life, the way I've described it throughout these series is a depression in the road of life that causes hurts, wounds, and pain in us and others around us. And so in this specific series or, or, or season, we're in season three, we've talked about the pothole of shame. We talked about the pothole of self-sufficiency. And last week, we talked about the pothole of discontentment. And these are areas of things that we all deal with at different moments. And today, I want to hit one that I know for a fact every single person on the planet deals with it. But I want to start with a story. There was this man in the army who had risen through the ranks, and he had just been named colonel of their entire base. And this gentleman, this colonel, walks in first day in his new position, and he goes into his new office, and he starts setting everything up. And all of a sudden, a private comes up to the door and kind of like knocks, excuse me, colonel. And the colonel kind of like waves his hands and things, picks up the phone, and he begins to talk and, and, and say, yes, Mr. President, you know, thank you, Mr. President. Yes, we will get right on that. We are, we are coming up with a plan. Da, da, da. And he talks for about a, you know, a few seconds there, laying his, finishing his conversation. And he hangs up the phone and says, yes, private, come on in. And so the private comes in and he says, how may I help you? And the private says, well, Colonel, um, I'm here to connect your phone. See, wanting to look a certain way, in allowing the pride of position to speak on his behalf, he did it with a dead phone. Guys, I want to talk about pride this morning. The pothole of pride. Now, let's talk a little bit here. I, I want you to understand something. If right now you're about to tune me out online as well, I'm going to tune them off. I don't deal with pride. You just might be dealing with pride. <laughs> Y'all remember them Steve Harvey jokes? Not Steve Harvey, sorry. Um, ah, I forgot his name. The guy that does, you're smarter than a fifth grader. Um, Jeff Foxworthy. They had all these jokes. You just might be a redneck if whatever. Like, you just might be dealing with pride if you think you don't have pride. We all deal with it. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, I'd want you to write this down and in big letters in whatever you take notes, pride is sin. Pride is sin. As a matter of fact, I would take it a step further and I would say that pride is the original sin. Now, so let's clarify here for a second. We say things like take pride in your work. As a parent, you might tell your teenager when they're going through that, that, that phase, hey, take pride in your outfit. Like, take pride in the way you look. And that's not a bad thing in saying, hey, take pride in your work. Do it to the best of your ability. Where does this pride that is a sin come in? When you think nobody else can do it like you do it. When you think nobody will look as good in that outfit as you did. When you think nobody can make X, Y, or Z or do X, Y, or Z as good as you did. And that, you get to that point where you are superior. Nobody can tell you anything. Nobody can do it like you. You're just the bomb.com, right? Like you are the it. That's pride. And that's the pride that's sin. 
Now, pride is something, again, we all deal with, and in this day and age we're seeing it. I want to start in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And we're going to do a lot of scripture reading this morning because I'm going to back everything up that I say with the word of God. I say this all the time. Another reason, important for you to read the word of God. If I say anything that is contrary to the word of God says, I'm wrong, the word of God is right. So you need to know what the word of God says. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, you know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. How many of you say we're there? For men will be lovers of themselves. Yep, we're there. Lovers of money. Yep, we're there. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Pride is actually referenced twice. It says the proud, and it also talks about the haughty. And haughty is another word that can be used for pride, for thinking you are, you know, when you're the haughty eyes looking at everybody like I'm better than. Can I tell you why I say it's the original sin? It's what Lucifer experienced and why he falls from heaven and we call him now Satan. Ezekiel chapter number 28 and Isaiah 14 talk about this depiction. Now, I want to start with Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Again, Ezekiel 28, you can read it later, but we're going to read Isaiah 14 right now, chapter, uh, starting in verse number 12. Isaiah 14, starting in verse number 12. When you've got it, you can say amen. I'm almost there. It says this, Isaiah 14, 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Notice everything that he said within his heart. I will. I, I, I. I'm not sure right now where I read this, but it said pride starts with I. It's no, shouldn't come as a shock that the letter right in the middle of the word pride is I. I will do it. I got this better. I can fix it. I, I, I. Lucifer gave up his place in heaven because he thought he could be God or better than God. It is thought by theologians and based on scripture references that part of him, Lucifer, day star, which is what the name means, that his wings would open and reflect the splendor of God back to the throne but he forgot that he was a reflection to the throne and thought he was the source of the light. 
It's what he brings as a temptation to Eve at the garden. No, pastor, that's not, it wasn't pride. Yes, it was. Let me teach you. Let me tell you. What is it that Lucifer says to Eve? What Satan says to Eve when he tells about the fruit says, if you have this fruit, you will be like God. And so what happens with this sin that we call pride is that this sin makes us stop seeking God. The sin of pride will lead you to a place where you think you don't need God anymore. The sin of pride will bring you or lead you to destruction. As a matter of fact, I, let, let's say it this way, because I'm included in there. The sin of pride will lead us to destruction. It'll lead us to destruction. Proverbs chapter 16, if you go to Proverbs chapter number 16, verse number 18, Proverbs 16, 18. Thank you, media team, because there's a lot of scripture references there today. Pride goes before destruction. And here we see again the word haughty. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. See, we don't talk about people who fail or fall who had no position. But the higher they are the more we will describe and talk about it when something happens. Why? Usually the fall comes because of the pride. I know how to do it best. I can achieve it. I can do it. And so again, if you're making notes, taking notes this morning, pride is sin. Pride leads you to destruction. Proverbs 29, 23 actually says this. Proverbs 29, verse number 23. Whoever loves wisdom... Sorry, that's the wrong one. 23, 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Pride. Pride will destroy you. It can destroy us. And here's another thing we need to acknowledge. Pride can be very deceptive. You don't even realize you've gotten to a level of pride. And I'm going to tell you in a minute how we combat that. But it's deceptive, right? Like Satan didn't tell Eve, here, have the fruit, it's pride. No, 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 he deceived her. And pride deceives you yourself. Because of your pride, you think you can do things, right? Like, I, I, I'm going to go back to a Top Gun reference because it's my favorite movie. In, in the beginning of the movie, when, when he does the flyby and he does the different stuff and he had been, you know, with Merlin or whatever, and the guy brings him and says, your body is writing checks you can't cash. In other words, you think you're so good, it's going to catch up with you. And that's what Obadiah tells us. Obadiah 1.3. It's going to come up and you can write it down. Read the reference later. Obadiah chapter number one, verse number three says this. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You're not as good as you think you are. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. You who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? If you feel that you are untouchable and nobody can tell you squat diddly on anything, beware. The seductiveness and deceptive pride has crept in. 
It's sin, it's deceptive, it leads to destruction. I said it a minute ago, but I want you to jot it down. Pride can lead us to stop seeking God. It'll lead us to stop seeking God. Psalms chapter 10, verse number four. Psalm 10, verse four. This is what the psalmist writes in Psalms chapter 10, verse number four. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of their thoughts. What happens? As you allow, as we allow pride to creep into us and we think we know everything, we think we've attained it, we stop pursuing or seeking the one that knows it. I was reminded of Doctor Strange, the first movie. I haven't seen the second one. But in the first movie of Doctor Strange, he is a surgeon. And he's always like protecting his hands, right? Because he's like this masterful surgeon and like all this stuff. And, and he's very arrogant and he's very proud and obnoxious. And like nobody wants to deal with him. Think about it for a second. Do anybody want to hang out with a prideful person? Because I don't. And that's who he was, right? Like, like Stephen, I think his name is Stephen Strange. Remember, right? He's like, nobody, want, nobody, no nurse wanted to work with him. Nobody wanted to think. And, and he just walked around with this arrogance. But he was brought very, very low, wasn't he, in a car accident? Now, I'm not going to give you a superhero reference, but I could go down the avenue of when you go to the Father, he can restore you and use you differently, but that's not the preaching I'm going for right now. It'll lead you to stop seeking God. I don't need to follow anymore. I don't need to pursue anymore. As a matter of fact, it leads you or makes us think that we don't need God. Not just that you stop seeking him, it gets you to the point where you say, I don't need you anymore. I have got this. Can I tell you something? God hates pride. He hates it. Pastor, that's a really strong word. It's not my word. It says it in the Bible. I'm going to read you three references. The first one's going to be Proverbs 16. Go back to Proverbs 16, verse number five. Look at the words that are used here. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And that's, that, I mean, that hurts. Pride, proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Go to chapter 8 of Proverbs, verse number 13. Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 13. Look what it says there. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And look at these four things down, it says there. Pride arrogance, evil way, perverse mouth, I hate. Oh, why is it wrong? I mean, side note here. Why is it wrong to, to use curse words all the time? Because God hates perverse lips. Why is it wrong to speak a certain way? Because God hates perverse lips. Why is it wrong to walk in evil and do these things? Because God hates it. Why is it wrong to be arrogant and prideful? Because God hates it. James chapter 4, for those of you who say, oh, but that's Old Testament scripture. Well, James chapter 4, verse number 6, it says that God gives grace, and he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, 
a lo cubano no lo soporta. Right? Can't stand it. Pride. Why? Because pride says, I don't need you. It, it, it's the story of the prodigal son as well. What tells the young man, he looks at his father, listen to the pride in the statement. Give me, give me what's mine. Kid never worked a day in his life. Give me what's mine. Because I am going to go. And he, what does he do? He gets it because the father loved him that much and he gave it to him, right? And he goes off and he spends it all. He's living with the pigs, with the swine, and says, man, I'm living here wanting to eat slop. And in my father's house, there are servants that are eating and living better than me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell them I'm disqualified. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And we know the story. As he goes back, the father sees him, runs to him. The kid drops to the floor, gets his bar, starts telling him, I'm no longer worthy. What is the kid starting to do truly? He begins to humble himself. And what does the father do? He gives grace to the one that humbled himself and puts him back up in a position. So how do we combat pride? We're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. I want to start with two questions. Question number one, do we have people around us that we take counsel from? This is a question that you need to ask yourself. Do we have people around us that we take counsel from? Not that give us counsel, that we take it from, right? Because that's two different things. As a teacher, you give counsel to kids and they might not listen to you. No, <laughs> Spoken like a true teacher, right? <laughs> Forget about when you give counsel to the parents. <laughs> This week, I was in my daily Bible reading, going through the book of 2 Samuel. If you're doing the Bible, year in a, uh, the Bible in a year and you're current with the plan, you were going through 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 21, as I was doing my Bible reading this week, I felt the Lord show me the antithesis of a proud heart in the life of David. Now, I like David. He's a cool cat. He had issues, but he always got right with God, didn't he? Now, let's think about some of David's wins. David's the guy that fought Goliath, okay? He's the one that fought the lion, fought the bear. That's how he goes to fight Goliath. He remembers and recounts those victories. David is a man of war. Like, people did not want to deal with David because the guy was a warrior. Now, in chapter 21, we're getting to the latter part of David's life. And they go into a battle... And David, because now he's older, begins to get weary and tired. And the chief of the army says to David, you don't go to war with us anymore. Stay in the city. We will go fight. Because if you're out in the field fighting with us and you get weary, the enemy's going to chase you, not us. They're going to kill you. And that will shut off the light of Israel, the lamp of Israel, what he talks about. And I just felt from the Lord that. Because you know what David did? He didn't say, but I'm the king. I beat Goliath. I beat the bear. I beat the lion. I still got this. No, the Bible says that David went back and never went out to the fights again. And let his army fight for him. Pride would have cost him his life. So do you have people that you can receive counsel from? 
The second form of the same question, the way I wrote it was this. Do we have people around us that can point pride out in us? If you're married, your spouse should be one of those people that can tell you freely if you're getting off the wagons. And don't take it personal. But she tells you because she loves you or you tell her because you love her. We have those conversations in our home. As a matter of fact, sometimes in between services, I'll even leave it over her if she was able to be, she was teaching kids this first. And I was like, hey, is there anything that I misspoke that should be different? Because I don't think I know it all. I know I don't know it all. Can I tell you what happened to me on Monday? I don't know if it's happened to you, but I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be very vulnerable. Monday, Memorial Day, I thank God for every family that a family member gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And if there's anybody here this morning that has a family member that lost in any, lied in any of our battles, thank you, and I pray for you. Monday being a holiday, it felt like a Saturday in our house. Like, I actually went to play racquetball with Pastor Fernie and a couple friends that morning. Got home. The girls were organizing stuff. It was, it was just it was a, kind of like a different day. It was weird. And at one point in the middle of the day, I looked at Patty and I said, tomorrow's Sunday, and I haven't finished preparing for a preaching. I don't even think I've even started. Where did the week go? I know I'm preaching on pride. And, and she goes, today's Monday. I totally, I actually texted the worship team does anybody else feel like it's a Monday and tomorrow we're supposed to be at church? It's just in case you're going through it. Don't show up at church tomorrow morning because it's only Tuesday. <laughs> and I called a pastor friend of mine that I talk a lot with, and I was like, man, I, 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 was, I was talking to him. I was like, dude, I was like, I know I'm preaching on pride, but I was like so not ready to preach. And he goes, but Pastor D, that's a good thing. You didn't think you were ready to preach it without studying. That means you're not letting pride take over you right now. I said, okay, that's a good way to look at it. Because I know I got, I know I, I'm not, I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the best this. I'm not the best that. I do what I do because of God. But do we have the people that can point out a flaw? Or do we always need to be the smartest person in the room? The smartest person at the table? The smartest person at the thing around us? Or can somebody tell us when we need to humble ourselves? As a matter of fact, that's my next point. Humility overcomes pride. Because it sounded pretty bleak, right? We all deal with pride. We all think we've got it at different points. Like, God, you know, whatever. And, and actually, pride can make you very, as a Christian, pride can make you very pharisaical, right? Like, like nobody knows more than me. Nobody, and, and, and it's what Jesus even said to the Pharisees. You guys are doing all these things, and the people can't attain what you want, but you're, you're, you're liars is what you are, right? Like, Jesus, like, went out with them. Humility overcomes pride. Humbling yourself overcomes pride. And the scripture tells us this. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We just read 4, 6, right? We'll read 4, 6 one more time. If you can throw up 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, one more time. God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Fast forward to verse 10. Sorry. I 
threw you off by saying to go back to one of my first verses. I'm not bad. It's like they're in order over there. All right, where's my Bible verse? Where's my... There, all right, thanks. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. You humble yourself, he'll lift you up. See, because you very well might be the smartest person in the room. Just don't tell everybody and don't think it. Let somebody else acknowledge it. Let God do it. Do you remember the parable or the story of Jesus when he says, when you go to the wedding feast, don't go to the seat of honor in the front that maybe somebody who has higher honor than you shows up and then they come up to you and says, hey, I'm sorry, I need you to go sit somewhere else. But go sit and let the head of the house come and say, no, 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 no. You come and sit over here with us. So what is God saying? Humility will overcome the pride. We need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. We need to submit to God is, is what the rest of that chapter says. It says, humble yourself, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we're all facing the pothole of pride, but we can overcome it as we stay humble before the Lord. So how do we do this? Church, daily encounters with God will keep you humble. Daily encounters with God will keep you humble. Daily encounters with God will keep you humble. Because what does the word of God do when you read the word of God? It, it, it shows you stuff you need to fix. Oh, I've had to do a lot of repenting Every year, every day, as I read the word of God and something hits me, it's like, ah, maybe you maybe weren't walking in the love you should have. Lord, help me. I write it down. If you go through my Bible reading journal, you actually find a bunch of times where I'll, I'll, I'll write things like, Lord, help me do this. Lord, help me. Because as you encounter God, he loves on you, he talks to you, and he shows you the things you have to fix, and he reminds you. Again, I told you, Pride will lead us to stop seeking God, to think we don't need God, which is why daily encounters with God then keep you humble. Can I tell you, it needs to be true humility, not false humility. Let me give you a picture of false humility. You know you have to be humble. Somebody compliments your outfit, but you got to be humble. So you say, oh, this old thing. No, th oh, thanks for acknowledging it looks good. Oh, this whole thing? Oh, I got it on clearance. Because <laughs> then you don't also want to say that you maybe bought something that cost you $50 or $100 or whatever, because, you know, like, I don't, I don't want anybody to think. Oh, yeah, no, no, I got it at Ross. <laughs> so what if you got it at Ross or if you got it at Macy's? Nobody needs to know. Or Walmart, okay. <laughs> hey, or you might, have, you might have gotten it at Target, right? Uh, <laughs> Humility. Target, guys, Target, Target, sorry. Just, some, somebody I see them looking at each other like, what's Target? I've never heard of that story. Target, Target. I just tried to elevate it, you know? Target. I bought it at the Chip and Joanna Gaines section of Target. Daily encounters with God. 
And what does that look like? We need to worship. We need to pray. We need to daily spend time in the Word of God. Read the Word of God daily. Pray daily. Worship daily. Oh, but I can't sing. God wants to hear your voice. God loves your voice. Come on, parents. Don't you love the voice of your children? When they say something. Like this morning, I, I, I leave the house early on Sundays, and many times the girls aren't awake yet. And uh, this morning, I went into the girls um, for summer. This God-given idea came to my wife and my kids, and they're all sleeping in the same room. Um, and so we have all the, all the girls are in one room for summer. We're seeing how that goes. It's working out so far. I was wrong, and she was right, but it's working. And I walked in there, and two of them were awake. Alexandra and Abigail were awake. They were in the same bed there talking and this, out of the other. And Samantha was fast asleep. And so I just went, and I gave her a little kiss. I gave them all thing, and I go to walk out. And I, w- I go to the car. I turn on the car, put my thing, and I came back inside to get the coffee. My wife was, had been making me a coffee. Thank you for making me coffee in the morning. Um, and so I walk back inside, and Samantha, she's walking out of the room, like, asleep. I love you, Daddy. And she gives me a hug. And then she turned around half asleep and walked right back to her room. Oh, my God, it melted me, right? That's what your heavenly father thinks of when you call on him. Daddy, I love you. I need you. And God, ah, I got you. I mean... As a parent, I know some of you perhaps aren't parents yet, but you, you might have a, a picture of this. I mean, I can think so many times where one of my kids wasn't feeling well, or perhaps they, they, they had just thrown up, or, or whatever the case was, they're, they're shivering, whatever, and you kind of just put your hand on them, and you just hold your hand there and say, it's going to be okay, you're fine, and all of a sudden this peace comes in. When you pursue God daily, you feel his hand, and this peace comes in. And you're able to stay in that humility. I love the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul, who's written two-thirds of the New Testament almost, right? He's done all this stuff, and he goes and he says, it's not that I've attained it, but I press on towards the call, the, the call of the high prize. Like, I press on towards the goal. As a matter of fact, you see him getting more and more humble as he got older. He talks about, you know, him being a sinner to talking about that he's one of the main sinners, to then towards the end of his life saying, and I'm the chief sinner. <laughs> like, like he kept putting himself. So what happens? Here's the thing. The higher you go up the ladder, the easier it is for pride to come and fall. But can I tell you something? When you're daily encountering God and getting before him from a prostrate position, I'm not saying you have to get on your knees and physically, but from a prostrate position in your heart towards God, you will not fall. Why do we see pastors continually fall? Unfortunately, many times it's because they stop pursuing God the way they needed to. But it's the same thing for every believer. The minute you think I got it, that's the problem. You need to pursue him daily more and more and more. The word of God needs to be read every single day. I'm not saying you need to read 17 chapters a day, unless that's the Bible reading plan that you get into. But you need to at least start with a verse a day. At least, at the very minimum, start with one. I, I, 
Anybody ever watch Seinfeld? Okay. So I never watched Seinfeld a lot. Like I knew some of the things like, no, so for you, right? Like you, you hear the, the pop culture references. But we started watching Seinfeld, our, our season. Uh, like we, there's certain shows that my wife and I will watch and and you know how many, there's a lot of shows that, that you can't watch anymore because they're not clean. And so we're like, all right, let's try to find something. And, and we're like, all right, let's watch Seinfeld. So we started watching Seinfeld. There was an episode that we, that we watched, and I, I was like, oh, my God, that's, that's good. And so in this episode, George Costanza had broken up with this girlfriend. But he left behind in her house a group of books. But he didn't want to go back to her house to ask for the books. So he meets with Jerry. He's like, Jerry, can you go get And Jerry's like, I know what you want. You want me to go get the books for you, don't you? And he's like, yes. And then Jerry says, but have you read the books? He says, yes. But are you going to read the books again? He says, no. He says, then why do you want me to go get you the books? He's like, but I need the books, right? And they go through this whole thing. It was pretty funny. And then he goes and he gets Jerry the books, right? And then he's meeting George and Jerry, meeting. You see the stack of books and you see other stuff. And George, same thing. And Jerry says, so have you read the books yet? He's like, no. And I just almost felt like the Lord saying, the only book that you do keep and read over and over and over is my book. See, books we usually read once and hand it off. But the word of God, you read over and over and over and over. Why? Because it's how you stay humble. It's how you stay right with God. As you read the things, as you spend time in worship and you experience the presence of God, as you spend time in prayer and you hear God respond. Something dawned on me this week as I studied for the pothole of pride. If you're not aware, I try to get away a few times a year to pray and plan the sermons. So at the end of December, I had gone for a couple days to a hotel uh, in Key Largo with my wife, and we just spent time praying and uh, seeking the Lord, and, and, and I had gotten the first six months of this year what we were going to be preaching throughout the first six months of the year. And so I do that periodically. Lord, show me what you want us to go to. Man, I'm not smart enough to have chosen the first Sunday of June to talk about the pothole of pride. It was totally God. And it dawned on me when I was on my computer and I did a search about something of pride and everything that flooded was Pride Month. And what is Pride or Pride Month, it is telling the world that what I'm doing, you need to accept because I know better. It's in essence what it is. Pastor, are you anti-gay? Nope. I love anybody that deals with homosexuality, but it is a sin before the eyes of God. I will not treat you differently. I will not do anything. I will not put you down. As a matter of fact, if somebody's next to me putting you down, I will intervene and say, stop. But the biggest catch, think about it for a second. God hates pride, original sin, and the slogan for it is pride. 
that should be enough to let you know it doesn't please God. I'm not smart enough to write that down in December. But I do want to tell you this. Your temptation does not define you. Forget this one. You may be tempted by homosexuality. It doesn't define you. You may be tempted as a married man to go sleep with another woman. That doesn't define you. You may be tempted to curse or be tempted to steal or be tempted with pride or be tempted with this. Whatever your temptation is does not define you because if you humble yourself before God, you will be able to overcome it. But if you walk in the pride of it, you will fall into it. We overcome pride by submitting to God. We overcome pride by humbling ourselves before him and ask ourselves those questions. Who around me can tell me something? Who do I listen to? Here's a key indicator for anybody to know if you're dealing with pride. You push anybody off of your team that makes you feel you're not the top. You push anybody off your team. That insecurity is pride manifest. You combat it with humility. Jesus committed no sin. Worship team, you come to the altar. Yet he hung on a cross out of humility and meekness. He had the power but he restrained it in order that you and I would have access to the Father. If you can't say I'm sorry, there's probably some areas of pride that you need to let go of. If you always have to be the one that's right, there's probably some areas of pride that we need to let go of. I was talking to somebody recently and they said the solution was saying I'm sorry. And the person said I'm not going to apologize because I did nothing wrong. That's pride. Pride says I have to be right. Humility says I'm nothing but a servant to the Father. So I challenge you, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. We're going to begin to worship for a few minutes before we do the altar call of salvation. Every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, at moments have let pride creep in. Perhaps in your marriage, you think you know more than your wife, or you wife think you know more than your husband, so I have to let... Sometimes as a parent, we allow pride to come in because we don't think that our kids might have a good idea or a good thing. They're just kids. They don't know any. That's pride, and you're teaching them to be prideful in work, in all these different things. So as you begin to worship, I want you to talk to God and actually say that, God, what in my life have I allowed pride to control? And surrender it to him. Tell him, God, I give you this. I humble myself before you. Show me.
And Father, we repent. But Lord, I thank you that in honest repentance, you bring forgiveness, grace, and restoration. Father, I pray that you may show us those few people that need to be around us, that we may even this week call them and say, hey, you know, if you ever see this popping up in my life, tell me. Can you love me enough to tell me? Father, I'm sorry for allowing pride in my life at times. Father, we declare we will walk day after day to have encounters with you so that we may stay humble before you come. We thank you, Father. you didn't need God but today you can acknowledge and say I need him and whether you're online or in this building if you've never given your life to Jesus I've got good news for you he's got a space for you what does it take well the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart that belief that Jesus is the Son of God the Bible tells us that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life so if you believe Jesus is his son all it takes from that point of belief is confess it declare it so if today you want to get right with him or you want to surrender your life with G to Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to say this prayer with me and we're going to pray it together with you and, and just say, God, I'm a sinner and on my own, I can't get to you, but I believe Jesus is your son. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. 
He died on the cross and he rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin, for my unrighteousness. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my heart, write my name in the book of life. And God, from now on, I'm yours and you are mine 